All right. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. It's the Here Comes the Pain podcast. I'm your host, Joel Payne. We're presented by Hip Politics Network. Lots of great content there. I would encourage you to check out. Follow the show on Instagram at Here Comes the Pain Pod. That's at Here Comes the Pain Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Here at Pain DC. That's at P A Y N E D C. Excited to have you joining us for this episode, and this is an important episode, a good episode, because I'm joined by David Swerdlick, who is an opinion editor for the Washington Post, and David and I have interacted in the past, we've done some media together, and I know David's a big thinker on a lot of topics, but there's one in particular that I wanted to talk to David about this week, and it's what happened recently with Ice Cube and the controversy about his support of the Trump agenda and whether or not he is engaging with the Trump administration and planning and kind of what that means given the state of black voters today and given the proximity to the election. There's a lot to get into. David, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Joel. Thanks for having me. This is great. I appreciate it. Let me correct one thing real quick. My bad. Um, I'm not in the opinion section at the post. I'm in the outlook section. Pretty similar, but you know, pe- people are people are sensitive about that. So I just want to make sure I put that out appreciate there. appreciate <laughs> yeah, the co- yeah, yeah, appreciate yeah. the correction. Uh, appreciate yeah, it. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. So David, talk to me about just kind of you know you you saw this story kind of become a big thing over the last 48 hours. I'd, I'd love to get yeah. just your initial reaction to it. So here's the thing, right? I think. That let, let me start by saying this before before I have a criticism of where Ice Cube is right now. Let me just start by saying, look, um, he has one basic point that I certainly agree with, which is that black voters should have a critical eye toward both parties. Uh, even though we know that in a typical election, you're going to have around 90 percent of black voters voting for Democrats, uh, particularly in a presidential election. Uh, that doesn't, and that I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Uh, there is no reason why black voters have to automatically vote for Democrats, and there's no reason why black voters shouldn't hold Democrats' feet to the fire, perhaps more than the, than their feet have been held to the fire, uh, especially given the strong support that black voters give to the Democratic Party. Flip side of that. Uh, there are those black voters. There's a chunk of black voters who vote for Republicans, and that's fine too. Uh, you know, I, I I think we should start off the discussion by saying people shouldn't judge people. Everybody's got one vote, and they have the right to vote how they want to. Having said that, um, Ice Cube has done two things here that I think uh, people should hold his feet to the fire on. One is is that as a part of his you know, months long sort of coming out here as a, as a political voice, number one. Number two, as a part of some of the recent stuff that's been going on uh, with him in the media and with the Trump administration, um, he has said uh, that, that, uh, that no president has done right by us, meaning black folks. Well, I immediately just go to President Obama. You can take down a fairly long list of concrete things that President Obama Obama delivered for black. I'm not even going to go back to the other 43 presidents before him. So right off the bat, in my view, that statement is overbroad and frankly false. The second thing, and this is some of the reporting that's come out in the last week, um, he wasn't upfront with his followers about the timeline of events of him meeting with uh, with 
members and representatives of the Trump administration. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I know I'm kind of rolling downhill here, but, but essentially, um, going back to last Sunday, and here we are on Friday. Ice Cube put out that seven or eight minute video where he was explaining why he was taking a look at the Trump Platinum Plan for Black America and why he uh, had at least uh, was encouraged by the fact that they had put at least one plank in there about promising a $500 billion infusion to the black community. Um, And then, of course, Trump advisor Katrina Pearson tweeted, thank you, Ice Cube, for talking to us. Then we get to Friday and or Thursday night, Politico has a big piece giving the TikTok of Ice Cube's interactions with the administration. Well, somewhere along the way, and all these political tweets that Ice Cube's been doing the last couple of months, he could have just said, hey, you know, I tipped into the White House, I tipped into D.C., and sat down and met with, according to Politico, Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law, Jerron Smith, uh, a senior African-American advisor to Jared Kushner and to President Trump. And then people would, could have evaluated for themselves, you know, the, 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 sort, of, the sort of trajectory of Ice Cube's uh, migration toward evaluating the, I, yeah the President I, I completely yeah. so I'm, I'm completely with you on this David and I, I want to underscore a couple of things I think I, I totally agree with you off the top by the way I do not think any African American owes their vote to any political party I think if you decide that a Republican is better for your interest um, I'm supportive of that I am not the type of person that goes and I'm not going to hit black Republicans over the head because they have the audacity to support a Republican I'm going to question their judgment but that's, I think that's fair game, just like they are welcome to question my judgment about Democrats, right? I'm going I'm to question their judgment about their choice. But I'm not, I'm not here to call anybody a Tom or to accuse anybody of being disloyal or anything like that. That said, that said, here's the problem. And what Ice Cube and what all of these folks have to realize, Kanye West, Ice Cube, uh, Steve Harvey, Jim Brown, I can go down the list. Um, of all of these very well-known African-Americans that have found themselves somewhat being like quasi-advisors or talking to or being filmed with, pictured with the Trump administration, courted by, they're going to be used. And you want to know why? Katrina put out that tweet, and that was clear to me what was going on. She's not doing that because they value Ice Cube's opinion about how to to do this. They, They put that tweet out because they want to demonstrate that they have some, you know, uh, support, some level of support with the African-American community that they don't. And that's the problem, is that they are allowing themselves to be used and allowing themselves to mislead the African-American community about what they really feel. I don't know if I believe that Ice Cube actually supports the president or if he felt like having these conversations demonstrated that he supported the president, right? I don't, I don't believe that's, that was what his goal was, but I do think he allowed himself to be used as a pawn because he did not understand that there was a bigger game that the Trump people were playing, which is 25 days from an election, they want to trot out a big-named African-American yep. to suggest they have a lot of support. And the last thing I'll say is the one soft spot in the Democratic coalition of African-American voters is younger, less educated black men. And that's what the Trump people are going for. I worked on the Hillary Clinton campaign in 2016. I saw it in polling. I saw it in research in the in the voters that we were targeting. That's the place if Trump can scratch off, let's say, a three to three to five percent, that's where he can really make inroads. So that's how I see this. Yeah, no, I think you make an excellent point there. Right. In the past, 
it has been effective for the Trump campaign and the Trump White House to get photo ops with notable uh, black folks. They had Alice Marie Johnson, who they've rolled out on a number of occasions. This is the woman who, uh, for your listeners, Kim Kardashian asked the president to pardon. He did. She's appeared at the White House. She's appeared in ads. Uh, I believe she spoke at the Republican National Convention. She's been out there. You have situations where uh, early in the Trump administration, the president made sure to get a photo op with the presidents of HBCUs in the Oval Office. All the black pastors, all the black pastors that come to the White House. Right, right. right. So in this case, to your point, Joel, uh, they didn't get a photo op with Ice Cube. Ice Cube probably is media savvy enough to say, hey, you know, if I'm coming to meet with uh, members of the administration, I don't want a photo op. But they got a Twitter photo op instead. You have Katrina Pearson, who I know and who I talk to, uh, Katrina Pearson, uh, tweets out to her millions of followers that Ice Cube met with Jared Kushner or met, worked, talked to the administration, I should say. That's as good as a photo op. Yeah. Because everybody knows who Ice Cube is. They don't have to see his, his picture splashed on a tabloid or splashed on the president's Twitter. So I think you make a great point. And, and, and David, also this happened with your, you know, I know you're, you're a, CB, uh, a C, rather, excuse me, a CNN contributor and your colleague yes. Van Jones. I know that something like this happened with him, I believe maybe it was two months ago, where he was, I think, being kind of generally advisory and providing some general counsel um, to Jared Kushner, who I believe he's developed a relationship with, and that's very well known. Right. He was kind of dinged similarly. And I look, I think that, I don't think that an African-American, I don't, I don't think that they are banned from offering counsel or trying to make a president better, right? But I do think you have to understand the bigger picture here. Donald Trump is not a regular president, okay? And his yeah. rhetoric and his way of leading and the the ugly the ugliness that he is kind of borne out in the country. This is not George W. Bush. This is not George H. W. Bush. This is I mean, you know, some people would would question Reagan. Uh, my my father's generation might um, have some comments about that. But I guess my point is this is not your standard issue Republican. Right. This is somebody who has really brought in a period of racial ugliness. And I do think you have to understand the macro politics around that and how your voice is being leveraged and used as a part of the discussion. So um, that that's kind of front of mind for me. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about this, because I know you've done a lot of thinking about it. How yeah. do you think in terms of how, how Cube has responded? I saw his, um, I think it was like about seven and a half minute video response on Twitter. Did you get a chance to look at that? What did, what did you think about that response? Oh, if he did a response to the political story, I actually haven't seen that yet. Let me, let me, let me respond to one thing you just said there again. And, you know, this is probably, you know, fuel for a bigger discussion. Um, right. Black support for Republicans has rolled from the era when the Republicans were the party of Lincoln and a lot of black voters supported the party uh, coming out of Reconstruction. And for decades after that, you went to the sort of Jackie Robinson, uh, James Brown era of black Republicans. They were black Republicans until Just, Jesse until Owens, Jesse right, Owens, Jesse Owens, yeah. right? Until at least in the case of Jackie Robinson, he you know vocally left the party. Uh, you went from you rolled from that that era of black Republicanism kind of on to the Colin Powell, Condoleezza Rice wave of black Republicanism to the Tea Party wave and now to the Trump wave. And like you said, being a black Republican now is different 
and being a black, say, Trump supporter now is much different than having been a black Republican in any other era. Uh, and, and some of the folks like Ice Cube who wind up sitting down with uh, the Republican Party uh, would be well off or wise to recognize that. I think that, um, as you said, it does make sense to talk to all sides. People have been talking about that for years. See, that's one thing, and I know you know this as a political pro, uh, people have been talking to both parties for years in the black community. This is not new. Republicans, Trumpists like to present this as, you know, black people are on the Democratic, Democratic Party plantation and black people writ large have been brainwashed only to support Democrats. One, that's not true. Two, it's an insult to black voters who simply like every other group of voters vote what they perceive their interests to be in a two-party system. And three, it perpetuates this myth that there's been some wall between black people and Republicans that has all of a sudden been broken down with the advent of President Trump. People talk to each other in front of the scenes, behind the scenes, and what has happened now, again, to your point, is that you're talking about, uh, you know, sort of playing with fire when you when you negotiate with the president, who, again, nothing wrong with meeting with the Trump White House, but has presented himself as a race baiter, as someone who is willing to sort of cravenly uh, court black celebrities without courting uh, black, uh, you know, other voices in the black community who may have more credibility on some substantive issues. Uh, and you wind up in a situation here like Ice Cube, I would like to see him go uh, on with a major, uh, you know, uh, interviewer uh, and uh, maybe, you know, to talk more about what he wants uh, to accomplish. My criticism, and, I, and, I, and I'm, you know, I don't know if you want to go into this uh, with the time we have, but my criticism is less about who you meet with or who you talk to, but with about whether you're leading your followers, if you're Ice Cube, to understand what the process is and what you can really expect to get we'll, out of we'll it. We'll talk about that. Talk about that in, in terms of your your the, the process piece that you're you're teasing out. So here's here's the thing. Um, if the Trump administration in a second term is really going to push Republicans in Congress to pass a black community targeted five hundred billion dollars. And let's talk about what five hundred billion dollars is. That's a half a trillion. We're talking almost about real money when it comes to the federal government. Half a trillion dollar infusion to the black community, whether that's in direct, uh, direct uh, as, you know, assistance, whether that's funneling cash in or whether that's in the form of tax breaks. And if the administration is going to really start chunking away at either implementing parts of Trump's platinum plan, uh, which, you know, let's, we need a whole other episode to talk about. Well, why, they name, it, why they named plan. it platinum plan, uh, right, right. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, sounds like a bunch of black advisors sat there and told them he needed to name it the platinum plan. That's what yeah, it sounds like to which, me. You know, it's it's so it's it's condescending and yet at the same time I'm like, well, President Trump, a white guy, is the type of guy who likes everything blinged out and gold and platinum. So who knows? But uh that plan, Ice Cube's contract with Black America, but the question Ice Cube should be asking himself and voters should be asking themselves is, okay, in 2016, President Trump gave a speech in Charlotte, North Carolina in October 2016, and the speech was called 
the New Deal for Black America. And very little of that agenda has been pushed, or I should say, you know, not a lot of that agenda has been pushed. He's done some things with black college funding. Uh, he, in his 2017 tax bill, there is uh, some, some, some legislation for uh, opportunity zones. But President Trump has presented himself as this difference maker, this guy who has flipped the paradigm from the black community, and clearly that's not the case. And so... If it, can, I, can I pull out one yeah, thing as well? Sure. And, and and so as we're having this conversation, and, and I've called this out before um, in other platforms, what Trump, I think, likes to do is he treat he, he does treat everything transactionally, right? So it's not just yes. his relationship with African-Americans or with communities of color, but everything is a transaction. And often when I hear this talk about what Trump has done for the African-American community, it has nothing to do with dignity or respect or inclusion or equity or speaking to people as they deserve to be spoken to, or making right for wrongs of the past, things that might not have a dollar value, but has a value societally and culturally. He has no interest in doing that. The only things that Trump wants to do are these flashy, hey, I brought Kanye West to the White House and we we commuted the sentences of seven black people who should have had their sentences commuted anyway. Well, like, Sure, that's that's nice, but that's not really equity. That's not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like how about a cabinet that Ben Carson is the only African American of right. uh, that that's there, and he's the, the HUD secretary when Ben Carson's only qualification is that he lived in public housing. Like, I mean, it's just are you suggesting to me that there are no African Americans that should be in your inner circle? That's the stuff that they miss and that's the stuff that they've never provided a good answer for. And that's why I see right through all of their appeals to African American voters. Oh, absolutely. Um look, Kanye West is in another category. I, I he he uh, the best way to frame it is as President Obama did in two thousand nine. He's a jackass. Right. Uh, I'm putting him to the side. There's a there's a parallel story with what's going on between him and Ice Cube, but I take Ice Cube as someone who is rationally approaching a process and trying to dip a toe into either political commentary or political activism. Like like Van, right. somewhat like Van, right? Yeah, right. right. Kanye West is a jackass. Leaving it there. Um, to your point, Joel, um, if you're Ice Cube and you're going into a meeting with Jared Kushner. The first thing it seems to me you would ask is, okay, let's talk before we talk about what you're going to promise to do in your second term. Let's talk about what you did in your first term. Okay, you you along with Senator Tim Scott, you pushed opportunity zones. Do you have data on how much wealth has increased in the black community since you moved forward with that policy? That's the first question. Before we talk about what you're going to do or you say you're going to do, let's talk about what you may or may not have done. Let's talk about the fact that, yes, before coronavirus, black unemployment was going down, but it hasn't it didn't go down as dramatically as it went down in President Obama's second term. Um, As you said, Joel, uh, you have some black advisors, but you don't have black people sprinkled throughout your organization, your your administration in the way that President Obama did at all levels, including at the highest levels, including two uh, attorneys general, including a black president, obviously. Um, let's talk about, um, you know, criminal justice. You did the Fair Sentencing Act, but your Justice Department uh, pulled back from doing consent decrees to 
rein in rogue police departments in the way that the Obama Justice Department was. We can go on down. You've been playing footsie with white supremacists for the entire political career. Yes, sorry. I'm glad you brought me back to that because that was the point I think you were just making. And let me say it in a different way. Yes, hold politicians' feet to the fire about concrete legislative gains. But also, why do these gains have to be made at the expense of catering to racists? Uh, why do why does the president, even if you take him at face value, that he's doing things behind the scenes to help uh, empower economically empower the black community? Why does that have to come with a giant side dish of race baiting, a giant side dish of denigrating the first black president? They have no answer for that. And the, other than if you know if they were going to tell the truth, is because it appeals to a certain part of his base. Um, why? I mean, this is truly last policy thing. Um, we could have a whole separate episode of the Joel Payne podcast where we talked about the relative merits of the Affordable Care Act of Obamacare. But it is extraordinarily popular with black voters, always has been, and it has expanded coverage, healthcare coverage in the black community. And yet the trajectory of President Trump on this is 20 years ago in his book, I encourage people to look it up, called The America We Deserve. He said, I'm a conservative on most issues, but I'm a liberal on this one, implying that he was also for expanded health care coverage. Fast forward to him becoming president. He goes after the Affordable Care Act in an up or down Senate vote, the one where John McCain, McCain thumbs up, thumbs down. Right. Didn't get that. Found a way to get rid of the individual, got the individual mandate, which was a key pillar of it out of the rest of the law is in the process of challenging the law overall in court, his administration, but yet on the campaign trail tries to take credit for the parts of the law that people like, like covering pre-existing conditions. And this is part of a pattern as uh, uh, Senator Harris has brought up in a couple of her recent appearances, including her debate with Vice President Pence, where President Trump is focused on, obsessed with, hell-bent on unrolling the accomplishments of the Obama administration and President Obama personally in a way that it's hard not to see as racial. Uh, It's not just the normal Republican Democratic to and fro. And so going back to Ice Cube, and I'm trying to be as fair as possible to the ice cube side of the coin. Um, When you go into a meeting like that, maybe he did ask this, but you know, it's worth asking, okay, even if I take the platinum plan, platinum plan, uh, (laughs) at face value, why did it have to come with all this racial shit? Right. And where's it been for the last 46 months? Right. I mean, what, you know, why, why does it have to come three weeks before an election <laughs> right? as opposed to like three years that you've been in office? Um, Absolutely. David, you I, I know your schedule is incredibly tight this morning, so I'll get you out of here on this just in terms of I, I, and I, I think what I wanted to have this conversation with you about was really almost like using the ice cube pieces like a microcosm as a cautionary tale for African-Americans who want to be helpful to like the overall cause of what we care about, but don't want to be used as pawns. 
just rules of the road, just real quick from someone like yourself, right? I know you've talked about kind of the, um, the, the process piece a little bit earlier. Any other just kind of closing thoughts you've got on this? You know, fan it out from Ice Cube a little bit. Any other African-Americans that might be approached by a Jared Kushner or an Ivanka Trump or someone like that? Any just any cautions you would throw to those folks? I just think people need to know their facts and they need to know going in what politicians can and cannot do. I know we have limited time. I would just say one thing among my friends and peers that this Ice Cube episode has stirred up is a discussion about what do politicians even do? Um, My own view is that it would help people in general and black people in particular if we got our heads around the idea that politicians only do what politicians do. So if you look at President Obama and you say he did the Affordable Care Act, he did the 2010 uh, Fair Sentencing Act, black unemployment went down during his presidency, Um, you know, you you maybe liked his his views or didn't like his views on a couple of of social issues. I personally put weight on the fact that he was a model husband and father. Some people say that's not concrete, but I think that's important for the President of the United States to be a moral leader and a role model. Uh, and the first black president uh, excelled at that. Uh, he, he settled a billion dollar lawsuit with his agriculture department on behalf of black farmers that had been languishing for years. You can keep going down the list. That's what presidents do. If the, if the response to that from someone like Ice Cube or anybody else, I know you wanna expand it out, is we need more from presidents. We need presidents to completely shift the economic paradigm in America for people across the board and especially for black people who have been systematically uh, pushed down in terms of redlining and lending and job opportunities and educational op- opportunities and access to health care, then I think that's a completely fair response. But it also means you're asking politicians to do something that in our country and in our lifetime politicians haven't done absolutely they, make, they, they, they sign laws they give speeches they try and move the ball forward incrementally and then they move on so that's a bigger discussion that i know we don't have time for but i think that's something people need to worth thinking about and what I'll, do we even want out of our politics and i'll just say really quickly david i've had two interactions or two opportunities to interact with the trump administration one okay. for a very public incident with david bossy which i won't get into and okay. another one with another unnamed official and i will tell you on both accounts what I said to them was, how about talking to your guy about rhetoric and bringing the temperature down in this country? And so I think that's a good place for us to leave this part of the discussion. I hope I can have you back at another time where we have a little bit more time. I appreciate you making time for us. David Swartlick, Outlook Editor for The Washington Post and a good friend. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks, Tony. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Much appreciated.